Okay. Amen. 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 Well, um, it's time for the word of the Lord. Amen. Come on, give God a praise if you're ready for the word. Turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel, chapter number 1. 1 Samuel, chapter number 1. You know, I was thinking that while I'm sitting, I'm thinking, man, I, I want to go ahead and, and, and preach. But then I just felt the Holy Spirit say that my wife should come up and preach this morning. Amen. Come on, give First Lady a hand as she comes to share with you this morning. Amen, amen. Well, my, my wife needs no introduction. Uh, she has been a, a pillar in this ministry uh, since the very, very beginning. Uh, she works tirelessly in the uh, children's ministry, and, uh, and she worked tirelessly at home. And so my wife uh, will speak to you this morning from a wealth of not just knowledge, but experience today. So I want you to just be as attentive as you always are. Encourage her this morning as she's going to serve you um, with the word of the Lord. Come on, give her another hand as she takes the mic. Good morning. It's my pleasure to be here this morning. And happy Mother's Day again to all the beautiful mothers in here today. Um, it's an awesome day to be a mother. Amen. An awesome time to be a mother. Um, I'm going to open up with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father God. You're an awesome God, Lord. You're awesome, Father God, and mighty to be praised, Father God. It's a privilege to live in this time, Lord, a privilege to be a mother, Father God, to raise godly seeds, Father God. I pray, Father God, as this message goes forth, Lord, that it will touch the hearts and minds and spirits of all who's listening today, Lord, and that the ladies here will be encouraged and strengthened and inspired, Lord, to be godly mothers, Father God, and to continue on, Father God, and never giving in, Father God, but continuing sowing into their children's lives, Father. Lord, we commit this time, this word to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I like to always start with something funny because I feel like the laughter makes the heart merry. And, and so I'm going to just, I have some little Mother Day jokes here that I just want to I say, uh, I run them through my kids and make sure they were funny. So they said they were funny, so I guess they're funny. So, but it says, what my mother taught me. And the first one says, my mother taught me religion. You better pray that will come out of the carpet. Pause a laugh. <laughs> my mother taught me time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. My mother taught me foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. <laughs> My mother taught me irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. My mother taught me contortionism. Will you look at that dirt on the back of your neck? My mother taught me about weather. This room of yours look as if a tornado went through it. My mother taught me about envy. There are millions of less fortunate children in this world who don't have wonderful parents like you do. 
My mother taught me about anticipation. Just wait until I get home. <laughs> All of us heard that one before. My mother taught me about receiving. You are going to get it when you get home. My mother taught me about humor. When the lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. My mother taught me wisdom. When you get to be my age, you will understand. And my mother taught me about justice. One day, you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you. <laughs> just a little thing to get you laughing here. But this is the first Mother's Day that I'm without my mom. She passed away last year at the ripe old age of 91 years old. So. It was nothing to cry about. Of course, we miss her dearly, but she lived a full life. She raised 11 children. I'm the 11th. Um, and one thing I can always, so many things that I, I can remember with my mom, but the things that stick most in my head, which is kind of funny, is the days that she took me to our Baptist church down in Chesapeake, Virginia. It was Divine Baptist Church. And she would always take me to church and make sure we went to Sunday school. If she didn't take us, she made up, make sure my aunt or my uncle picked us up and took us to Sunday school. She was an usher. And I remember the days standing there singing the old hymnals at the cross, at the cross. And just little things like that that come to mind make me think of my mom today. And I just thank her for her sacrifice. She stayed at home. I never known my mom to work. She was always there. When I got home, she had an after-school snack for me. She waited for me at the bus stop until I was in junior high school. Embarrassing. But she was always there at the end of that lane waiting to walk me up. Because we lived sort of like on an island. So to get to my house, she had to go across water. She, she never wanted me to cross the bridge by myself. So she was always there, always there for me. And I, I miss her a lot today. Uh, she's in heaven now with uh, her son who's gone, her sons who've gone before her, her husband and her sisters. And I'm quite sure she is having a happy Mother's Day. Amen. Amen. Today I want to talk about something today that is very uh, important to us as godly mothers. It's the uh, topic of legacy. It's a lot of things that our, our mothers teach us as uh, ladies, as small children. They teach us how to walk. We are our kids' first teachers. Uh, we teach them not to put their elbows on the table, set up straight, um, uh, speak correctly. I mean, mothers teach uh, daughters and sons so many things. Uh, but the most important thing that I want to talk about today is uh, imparting a, a spirit of legacy within our kids, a spiritual legacy. Uh, Webster defines a legacy as something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor from the past. That's what legacy is. And as mothers, that is something that we have been mandated from scripture to do. A mandate is an official command, official order. We are ordered to teach our kids how to live godly. When you die, I wonder sometimes, and I hope that when I die, the things that the kids will say that I left them, it's, it's, it's good to leave them houses and cars and money, but those things are going to perish. The most important things that we can ever leave our children is a spiritual inheritance. That is something no one and no 
body can ever take away from them. Those clothes, that education, those homes, the houses, the cars are all going to disappear. But that spiritual inheritance that we're going to lay into our kids, that we sow into our kids on a daily basis, is going to forever be with them. Amen? Amen. We are their first teachers. We are their first influencers. Not schools, not their friends. So many others may think that, but we are the most influence upon, upon our children today. Uh, we are instill, we want to instill our faith, respect, and other godly virtues into our children, amen? Uh, we are responsible for the spiritual climate in our homes. As some people say, if mom's not happy, nobody's happy. So it's important that we have a spiritual climate in our homes that fosters godly virtues. Amen? Today, I'm gonna, we're going to be looking at um, several godly examples in the Bible. Mighty, mighty, praying, godly women of God. Um, the first one that we're going to talk about is in 1 Samuel. If everybody could turn there. 1 Samuel chapter 1. It's the story of a lady named Hannah. When everyone gets there, say amen. 1 Samuel chapter 1 says, Now there was a certain man, certain man of Rethaim, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeram, the son of Elu, the son of Tahu, the son of Zoph, and the Ephraimite. He had two wives. So look there, man, he had two wives. Two wives, not just one, but he had two. <laughs> he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Paniah. Paniah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, excuse me, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the, the time for Elkanah came to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And what is your heart grieved? I am not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah rose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor 
shall come upon his head. So I'm going to stop there for a moment, and I want to go back and focus on uh, verse number six, where she says that she, her, her womb had been closed, meaning she could not have a child, she could not conceive. Um, I cannot imagine how that feels. Of course, I'm a mother of four, but I can probably think that it's very difficult very heart-wrenching to want to have a child and can't have one. She was barren, meaning that God hadn't moved to give her a child at that time. So many of us have barren season in our lives, be it physical, emotional, financially, spiritually. We go through seasons of barrenness, seasons of dryness, seasons where God is not changing, God is not moving the situation fast enough for you. You've been praying, you've been seeking, you've been uh, seeking counsel, you talk to the pastor, you, you've done all that you think you've done, you've cried so many tears, and that the situation is still not changing. God, do you hear me? Do you see me? Do you see the pain that I'm going through? And I believe that's what Hannah was going through. I just want to tell you today that God hears your prayers. God has not forgotten you. God will answer you in his timing. Somewhere I read that God has declared over you a future and a hope. And he will not, for, he has not, he sees every tear you cry and every heartache. And he has not forgotten you. Somewhere I read that if you, uh, if you give everything to him, he's going to establish your path. He will establish your path. It also said, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication, make your request known unto him, and the peace of God will rule and abide in your heart. So I want to tell you ladies today, I don't know what that dryness is, what season you're going through, but know that God is going to give you a breakthrough. Amen? Not only that, in the midst of her agony, in biblical times, especially in the Hebrew culture, it was an honor to have a child, especially a male child. And being not able to have a child is, was, had to be so humiliating because that was the greatest thing, to be able to give your husband a male heir, and she could not. And on top of that, she had penini going behind her every day, provoking her. Can you imagine what that's like? You're already grieving. You're already bitter. You already have bitterness in spirit because you can't give your husband a child and you have someone going behind you every day, provoking you. I said, you're lucky she was a godly woman because if she wasn't, I think she would have just slapped her or something. I don't know. I could not imagine walking and praying and weeping and having somebody nagging me the whole time that you're not good enough. You're not special enough. You can't do it. It will never happen. It's impossible. God's not going to open that door for you. You heard, you heard those voices. You heard those voices. God ain't changing this situation. But no, she did not give up on her hope. She did not give up on her determination. She did not give up on God. And I want to tell you today, don't give up. Don't give up your dreams. Don't let anybody ever tell you you're not good enough, that you can't do it. They told me in fifth grade that I was a late bloomer. 
meaning that I learned slower than anyone else. So they held me back in fifth grade. Went to college, graduated with honors. So don't ever give up on your dreams, amen? Amen. Also, so Hannah, this is a situation with Hannah, she's praying, being mocked by uh, Panana on a continual basis. And one thing else I wanna say about Hannah is that she knew that her prayers were important. She was not gonna allow anyone to hinder her prayers. Sometimes we allow bitterness, unforgiveness to spring up on us. And we hold on to that thing, we won't let it go. Don't hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness because if there's two things that will just make your prayers hit the ceiling is bitterness and unforgiveness. Don't hold on to that. Your prayers are too important. You got too much things to be praying for your children, your home, your husbands. Do not let bitterness and unforgiveness hinder your prayers to the Lord. Amen? Let that thing go. And Hebrews 12, 15 states, see it that no one falls short of the grace and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So I'm going to continue on. I'm picking up from verses uh, 12. We're still in 1 Samuel chapter 1. So it says, And it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition, which you had asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Uh, verse 19, then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him for the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. So there you go. Hannah pushed through all the heartache, all the bitterness, she didn't allow that to hinder her from reaching her dreams. She had her son, a male son named Samuel. If you remember back in verse 11, she stated that I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. She blessed that baby in the womb before it ever came. She set that baby apart for the Lord before she ever birthed him. 
she prayed a Nazarite vow over Samuel. If you're not familiar with what a Nazarite vow is, it's back in number six. It's a vow where they that said that you're going to dedicate your whole life for the Lord. You weren't going to indulge in any luxuries of the world. You were going to be set apart, especially just to serve him and nothing else. That's what a Nazarite vow was. They weren't allowed to cut their hair because that was seen as a glory and a glory and an honor to God. So they did not cut the hair. And so their whole life would be dedicated to serving God, almost similar to what monks do. But that's what a Nazarite vow. You can read more about it in Numbers chapter 6, I believe. So here we are. She set this baby apart in the womb. And that's what we need to do as mothers. Mothers who haven't had babies yet and, that you, and you're going to have a child, you pray over that baby every day. You pray over that baby. You read the Bible. You listen to Christian music. That baby hears all of that. So she set that baby apart in the womb and this baby is going to serve the Lord and no one else. No one else. No matter what the world says, no drugs, no gangs or anything contort the plans of the Lord for your children. Amen. So don't don't get dismayed if you have wayward children. Don't get dismayed if your children are not acting right. Don't get dismayed if you, your children are out there acting a fool. You have set those kids apart for the Lord before they even came out of your womb. And God is going to honor every prayer that you have prayed over your babies. The, the devil will not have our children in Jesus' name. Amen? So Hannah's gave birth to Samuel. She honored her vow to the Lord to give Samuel over to him. So we pick up the verse at 20, 22 in chapter 1. I'm going to continue reading there. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bowls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition. Say, ladies, our breakthrough is coming. Which I've asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. Say, as long as my child lives, he will be lent to the Lord. So the worship, so they worship the Lord there. So here you are, here she is. She waited forever to have this baby. The excitement, the joy of waiting those nine months plus for some of us <laughs> to have that baby. And finally that baby's here. And now she's got to give it to the Lord. I've never been in a situation where I had to give a child up. I can imagine how hard it can be to have to give a baby up how heart-wrenching it could be to have to give a child that you've waited so long for. 
a child that you carried in your womb and maybe you miscarried and I could not imagine the pain of losing a child or giving a child up. But Hannah stayed obedient to her vow to the Lord. So Samuel goes to live in the tabernacle with Eli, along with his two sons. That brings me to the second part of this message. Um, so here Hannah is. She takes uh, Samuel uh, to the tabernacle. We pick, it, pick up on verse um, 12 um, of chapter 2, if everyone can go there. It says, now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's customs with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give me meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires. He would then answer him, no but you, you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young men was very great, say very great, before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, the Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they went to their home and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Not only did she have one, she had what, five? Did I lose count there? I mean, God says if you give unto him, he's going to Press down, shaking together and running over it. He'll give back unto you. And that's what happened here. She gave her only son at that time to God, and God blessed her manifold. And that's what he's able to do, ladies. When we stay consistent, when we stay prayerful and prayed up and obedient, God is going to bless you. Amen? Amen. Amen. But what I want to focus here is that Eli's Eli, um, sons were not the best example for a young boy <laughs> coming into the home. Uh, if you read down into verse 22 of chapter 2, it says, Now Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel, and how they lay with women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. It's, uh, I guess it was like pro, pro, a prophetic thing, what their names mean. Hophni in Hebrew means fighter. Uh, Phineas 
name means uh, mouth of a serpent. So if that's not prophetic of what, I don't know, but these two young men were off the chain. <laughs> I'm just telling you. <laughs> they were priests. They were lying with ladies in the church at the, ta at the door of the tabernacle. They were not discreet about it. They did it out in the open. Everybody knew, so you knew Hannah had to know. So here's this lady bringing her son into this. My thing is, how could she do that, knowing that these two older men who could have influence on this young child, could you imagine the peer pressure that young man went through? The peer pressure to stay pure in the midst of these two older siblings? I mean, they were off the chain. They were doing everything. They were stealing, and it was no secret. I cannot imagine how the father felt. The high priest, the sons of the high priest. Everybody in Israel knew that his sons were off the chain. So here she is taking her son to live in this tabernacle with Eli. But I believe what kept Samuel and what's going to keep your kids is the word and prayer. I don't know if you uh, ever read the story, but uh, when you have a chance, you need to go back and read that powerful prayer that Hannah prayed in chapter two. It was one of the most powerful prayers in this, in this Bible. But I believe he was covered. He was covered by his mother prayers. You gotta remember, Hannah prayed for him long before he left her womb. So nothing could touch him. Who used to say, uh, uh, MC Hammer, you can't touch this. That's, that's his apple. He, no one could touch Samuel. Not only that, Hannah made sure that he was, was surrounded by a godly influence. She made sure of that. And that's what we have to make sure. We have to make sure our kids are godly influence. We have to monitor who they hang out with. Some, some of you guys, some of the kids may say, oh, come on, come on. Yes, we have to monitor. Because a bad seed can corrupt you. And Hannah made sure that her child was not corrupted. Every year, she went up to that temple and gave him a linen ephod. And if you don't know what the linen ephod was, only priests could wear those. So he, she was preparing Samuel for his destiny. When you get upset with your parents, and she's telling you you can't hang out with that person, you can't go over to the house, she's doing that for a reason. She's protecting you. We have a mandate to protect our kids and raise them up into the nourish and ammunition of the Lord. You may not like it, but one day you're going to turn around and say, thank you, Mom. Amen. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for telling me the right thing to do. And that's exactly why Samuel was able to live in that household that corrupt with his corrupt brothers. I mean, seriously, they were corrupt. I'm sorry to say it. It's no, they were scoundrels. The Bible said they were scoundrels. That's the word, and that's not me. They were dishonest and good-for-nothing rascals. That's what a scoundrel is, and that's exactly what they were. Um, but God kept Samuel. Say, God kept Samuel, and God will keep my kids too. Say it, God will keep my kids too, because he will. He will keep our kids. He will protect our kids. So what do we learn from Hannah? When Hannah was, had trouble, she didn't run to the refrigerators. She didn't run to the cigarette. She didn't run to the wine. She didn't run to the arms of a stranger. She ran to who? The Lord. Sometimes we use those things as vices to release stress. 
Well, we don't need to go to those things to release stress. We just need to fall to our knees and cry out to God, save my babies. We don't need all those worldly vices to release stress. We just need to cry out to him. You go in your prayer closet and you cry out. God sees every tear you cry, every heartache you have for your kids. We love our kids. And it's a really hard thing when we know that our kids aren't living the way that we raised them. But don't lose hope, mothers, grandmothers, uh, aunts, uncles, whoever's raising a child, fathers, single fathers today. Don't lose hope. God sees every tear. And he is not going to let his word return him to him void. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, another... Um, group of ladies that I like to talk about that uh, is very uh, uh, inspiring to me that laid a legacy out for their children and, and this word of God is uh, found in 2 Timothy. If everyone could turn to 2 Timothy, please. And chapter 1. When you get there, say amen. amen. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from the God, Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God, whom I've served with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, Greatly desiring to see you, um, being mindful tears that I may feel, be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith, say genuine faith, genuine. that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of hands. Another great woman, woman of woman of faith is Lois and Eunice. Um, they laid down a godly legacy um, to Timothy. Uh, his grandmother sowed that legacy into his mother. His mother sowed it into him. Ladies, we have to understand that what we do today is not just for today. What we tell our kids today: read your Bible, pray, forgive, live in peace with all you come in contact with, that's just not for them, it's for generations. Mothers, we have the ability to affect not just this generations, but generations to come. Our grandkids, our great-grandkids, our great-great-grandkids. They can look back and say, because of my grandmother prayed for me, I'm here today. That's the, that's the legacy I want to be left that my great-great-grandchildren say, my great-great-grandmother was a great woman of God, and the thing that she taught me was to love God with all my heart, soul, and strength. That's what, that's what we want to strive for, ladies, in raising our children, raising our grandchildren, wherever you may be in your life at this time. That's what we're striving for. We want our kids to have a, a godly inheritance so they can pass it down to their children as Lois and Eunice passed it down to Timothy, amen? Timothy became one of the greatest, one of the greatest pastors of the New Testament era. 
Samuel became one of the judges of the New Testament. The last judge, the last judge of the New Testament before the monarchy came, he anointed the first two kings of Israel. They said Samuel would pray and none of his prayers fell to the ground. God heard Samuel when he prayed. He was a mighty, potent prayer warrior. Why? Because of mama. Because of mama. He had a praying mother. Timothy had a praying grandmother. He had a praying mother. Don't ever take prayer lightly. Prayer is the strongest and the most potent thing you can do for your kids. When they're not in your home anymore, that's all you can do is pray. They're not going to always be there. You have to pray and believe God is protecting them. That he's putting his band of angels around them every day and keeping them because of the prayers of you, the saints, the prayers of your mother, the prayers of your great-grandmother. Is because this is why we are here where we are today, because someone prayed for us. Amen? So I want to encourage you today, ladies, don't give up. When you're in trouble, run to God. Run to him. Seek his face. Cry out to him. And he will deliver you in his timing. Amen? Cry out to him. Let him know. Let him know. Let him know that he is God Almighty. He is the great deliverer. Amen? He will keep your children. When they're long gone to college or gotten married, it's the prayer that's going to keep them. It's their faith that's going to keep them. They're going to remember the times that you told them to read their Bible. You may not think now. You may not see it. It will come to fruition. Don't give up. Hannah didn't. You see what God did. She had, a, she had a son that turned Israel, on, put Israel on a whole different road, a whole nation. He affected a whole entire nation. Timothy, one of the greatest pastors of the New Testament, affected a whole entire nation. And our children can be life changers godly life changers in this chaotic, wicked world. Our children can be the one that changed the course of history. Wouldn't that be awesome? Awesome. And you, they'd be up in front of the TV and, and someone asked them, why are you like the way you are? Because my mom prayed for me. And she taught me how to love God above all else. Amen? I want to close with uh, a verse from... Uh, Deuteronomy, if everyone could turn there. It is our mandate as uh, parents, an official order, uh, official command. Some of you military might know about those. When you get an official command, that means that's something you better do. Amen? That you got to do. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You have to do it. Amen? So when you get to Deuteronomy 6, Chapter 6 through 9, say amen. It says, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. 
tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What is he saying here, saints? He's saying, no matter what you do, what you're doing, be sowing that word into your kids. While you're riding down the street, talk about the Lord. While you're in your home, write those little sticky notes on their on, on the mirrors, on their doors. Whatever opportunity you have, you sow that word into your kids. Every opportunity you get, amen? Amen, amen. If we could all stand, please. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for your word, Lord. We thank you, Father God, that you've given us godly mothers, Father God. Mothers who have prayed for us, Father God. Mothers who have protected us, Father God, from the evils of this world, Lord. Prayers that's gone up that we don't even know about, Father God. We thank you for those prayers, Lord. We thank you for the mothers that's here today, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you will inspire our, the mothers, Father God, to continue to sow the word of God into their children, Father God on a consistent basis, Father, that we'll sow a genuine faith, Father God, into our kids, not just a Sunday going to church faith, but a faith that we live out Sunday from Sunday, Lord, that our kids may see a genuine faith as Timothy saw in his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, Father God, that you will sow that faith in us, Father God, that, that faith, Father God, that the kids will look back and say, my parents were real. They weren't fake. They weren't hypocrites. They live what they preach. We want that genuine faith to be sown into our kids, Father God. Help us to be shining examples, Lord, day in and day out, Lord. Our kids are always looking at us, Father God. They look up to us, Father God. Let us not, dis let us not disappoint our children, Lord, by being hypocritical or not walking what we're preaching, Father God. So I bless every mother here today, Father God. Bless them, Father God, for their sacrifice, for their love, for their hard work, Father God. And we will give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, give her another hand. Thank you so much. You know, just remain standing for a moment. I, I, I want to just echo something that my wife said, and because I really felt that this was an important part of uh, what she stated, that even in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, how many know that wherever there's good, there's always evil?